Hello and welcome to episode number 36 of the Miller's Game Room podcast. Hi, I'm Miller, the host of this show, 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 the usual. Anyway, uh, if you want to support the show, like, comment, subscribe, uh, notification bell, follow on your platform of choice, five star ratings, etc. That kind of thing. So, got a lot to talk about today. I have seven pages of notes here, which is going to be a lot of fun to go through. But first, some updates, because I've got a few updates. First off, I uploaded two videos last week. It was a double upload week. I put out a Persona 4 Golden Retrospective, which has been in the works for a long time. And then there was a quicker video I made, where basically I went, oh, here are some Otome games that I'd like to see localised. And um, I put them out. Uh, people really like them, so thank you all those who've shown you support on those videos. If you haven't watched them, please go watch them. I've got one more video scheduled for later this week. Haven't worked on next week's video yet. I'm planning what to do for it. I've got a few ideas, but aside from that, it's TBA at the moment, but it will come. Other things, um, I've decided to launch a uh, coffee and a throne. I'm doing this more now. I've been in a regular routine for the past several months. If you want to try support, I'd like to be able to do it more. Still ironing out details of it, but basically it will be there if people want to show support. And um, hoping I can eventually get something on that, but it's going to be completely optional. And I'll still have content out with the usual schedule, especially on YouTube. So, you know. And other thing, I'd like to give a shout out to the six people who follow the podcast on Spotify. I I upload the podcast there, and I usually forget about it in terms of, like, I upload it, but I don't really keep track of it too much, because it's mainly YouTube where a lot of the engagement happens for me. So thank you for those who follow me on there and listen to the podcast on there. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, yeah, here's some more, more growth for Miller's Game Room going forward. So... Got a lot of news today, a lot of short stuff, some longer stuff, and then vision novel news, and there's a lot of vision novel news, believe it or not. And then there is what I've been playing, which is going to be at the end like it normally is. So let's get started with the short news. So first off, I'm going to mainly the shorter stuff, but I don't have to elaborate on much. Uh, sea of Stars is coming to Xbox Series and Xbox One as well as the other platforms, which is basically everything else that's modern and relevant, PS4, PS5, Switch, PC, um, it's there, it can be digital, maybe I'm guessing might be a physical option for it, but I believe as far as I know it's only for PS4 and Switch to physical, because the physical at the time of uh, recording is exclusive to the Kickstarter, which you can actually still pre-order on backer kit by the way, so there's, uh, there's that if you want to get your pre-orders in for the game physically. Another bit of news that came out, Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus has been announced for Switch on the 29th of June in Japan. Uh, it costs 4,800 yen by Falcom. Obviously, they're, they're, they're porting it. I believe it's part of their, like, their, this, their, they have three ports coming out for the Switch in the next year, and that's the second one. So it's really cool to see. It's going to have a physical and digital release. The physical bonus in Japan, that with everything, because there's, there's retailer-specific bonuses and an Ebton pack as well of other stuff. But the bonus of everything is going to be the complete soundtrack for Tokyo Xanadu. And it's going to be all four discs, including the opening and ending song, in a large case. So if you've seen like, the videos, there'll be a larger case for like Xenoblade 2 soundtrack or Shin Megami Tensei 4. Kind of like DVD size or the size of like a, a Wii game or an Xbox 360 game. 
that's basically how, how big it is and it's got everything in one box rather than well from split over two discs or two separate releases like the other releases are like if you buy the cd separate in japan for toku xanadu there's one cd set for the original vita release and then there's a second one disc release for the extra music that was made just for ex plus and it's uh not really the best way to release their soundtrack like i know with ESA, falcon were like okay let's just make a re-release of the ESAIC soundtrack complete and they added the extra soundtracks to that re-release and they did also do a little mini CD release as well of the new tracks for those who already had the Vita soundtrack so if you wanted to say you just have to get that release or get it off Wayo Records because it's got that's the same content anyway but yeah I'm really glad to see that I think it will get released in the west I wouldn't be surprised if Axes have already picked up the rights to it and are just waiting to announce it but yeah it's really good to see that game come back in terms of modern Falcon games, it's the only one, aside from Esel Setter, if you consider that modern, that doesn't have a Switch port at all now. Like, 1 and 2, like, they do have a Switch port in Asia, not in the West, but they are patched, so... Yeah, they're on Switch in some form. It was always, apart from Cell Setter, it was this one as well, and it's good to see this come, and I'm excited for this. I might look into getting the, the game pre-ordered, actually, because that 4-disc soundtrack, it'll look amazing on my shelf with all the other soundtracks. But that's just me going into hype territory, but you know. Anyway. Um, also, the soundtrack is called the Tokyo Xanadu Complete Works. So, yeah, it's got the ultimate sense of completeness. Continuing with Falcom, in terms of Western releases, The Legend of Naivta Boundless Trails has been dated for PS4, Switch... And PC with the English patch in the West. And it's called uh, This Autumn. Not specific release date, but it's a broad season before. It's just, oh, it's just going to be 2023. And, well, limited edition is going to be available. It's going to have the physical game in its deluxe edition form. The soundtrack, it's got two discs, so it'll likely be complete, like the, the Asian releases. And also the original Steam bonus for Nauta when that came out originally, because that did actually release a long time ago for PC in Japanese only, and it's going to get an update, kind of like Kuro no Kazeki, which is coming from Nicer later. Um, and it's also got hardcover art book, Nauta and Naoi, acrylic figure, Kreha's Cradle bookmark, Realms Beyond, Lentacular Sleeve. And of course, the collector's box. Gotta have the collector's box advertised on the promotional material. So that's really cool. I'm glad the game's coming. I'm hoping to pick this up because I really, really want to play this. It's basically a standalone title with the similar kind of sense of storytelling you get in Legend of Heroes, but with action gameplay similar to Sway or East or Turkey Xanadu. So Falcon's action RPGs, basically. And visually, it's apparently halfway between Cold Steel 1 and 2 when they came out for the PS3 and Vita, and also previous East games now on the PSP. So, it looks to be cool. I can't wait to play it. The music's incredible. I've already listened to the soundtrack. It's fucking amazing. Now, I now have to make a correction for an updated uh, article thing. Because a few episodes ago, I talked about Etronity Origins Collection. And for those who don't know, in the West, that is digital only. And the Japanese version was confirmed to not have English text. And now PlayAsia have come out and are like, Oh, hey, this is the Asian English release for Etronity Origins Collection. So... It's the Asian version, not the Japanese one. It's the one that has Chinese and Korean text as well. Sega Asia is publishing that. 
and they announced that and because PlayAsia made mistakes I was a bit distrusting of it at first. They do mean well but they have made mistakes before. Most recently with the Final Fantasy collection they thought it was going to PS4 but it wasn't, it's only for Switch. So that was the most recent example. So I actually emailed them directly in the customer service and they were like, uh, we go by what's on the info given to us by our suppliers. So that's telling me that if they're going on what they're given by the suppliers, then the supplier will be Sega Asia or a, a company that just does other things. Like, I don't know. I think Sega Asia distribute their games in Asia as well. So I doubt Sega Asia would intentionally mislead them. So I'm, I'm inclined to believe it's true. So that's great news. Assuming it's not a mistake, but I'm glad because it means that Atlas have learnt from the annoyance of other fans when their past releases, especially Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, which did get a physical in Asia, but with no English at all. But if, if they're going to release future remasters digital only in the West, then as long as they offer the Asian physical option, then it's not as bad. So, you know, keep going this route if you're not going to release them physically in the West. Although I would still like to see physical releases, especially for actual new games and ports of games that are actually popular. Because still waiting for the Persona 3 and 4 re-releases to get physicals, even though I don't give a shit at all about P3P's release. Because, yeah, that's what goes to show when you get AI to update things and not manually check the AI so it actually looks good and not rough. And other things with that remaster, because that remaster is not good. But, you know... The HMC ones look better though, so you know, I can't wait to dig into those games again, so that's going to be fun. I will leave a link in the description as well, not an affiliate link by the way. I'm hoping other import sites pick it up as well, but so far I've not seen it. But you know, get ready to pick it up at launch when it comes out, and hopefully in the future it goes on sale as well. Another sale as well, uh, Steam Deck. As of this week and on Tuesday, there'll be a couple of days left of the Steam Spring Sale. So one of the times of year where Steam are like, oh, let's just discount everything. And Steam Deck was given its first discount as part of this. So 10% off all models. All models, but not the dock. So the dock hasn't been discounted, but the models have been. So it's a fact that like the fact that the Steam Deck has been given a 10% discount is actually pretty big. Because it shows that Valve are willing to discount the Steam Deck, which, yeah, I think that is so cool and fantastic that they're going to do that. Because if they're doing it once and of a first sale, then that implies they're going to do it again in the future. Move on to the next thing now, which is about Mario Kart 8. So, obviously, as most people will know, the DLC for Wave 4 is now out, and it also meant the game was updated. So, alongside the update and adding Birdo and the courses... There was also a few tweaks as well. So, like, the, obviously the character select screen now has five question marks for an extra row where Birdo is. So, that's basically confirming. Oh, there's going to be at least five more characters. So, that's really cool to see, but we're going to get five characters. We don't have the identities of those, but I'm going to talk about what I think they might be later. But in the middle, I'm going to touch on some rebalancing. So, there's been a few rebalancing, and... Um, the Japanese Mario Kart tournament website, Mario Kart Blog, which I've never heard of. This is basically the Video Games Chronicle, but I've noted this stuff down. And they said that some of the characters' stats have been upgraded in the new update, and uh, they say every character except for the Metal, Cruiser, Heavy, and Super Heavy classes have had their ground, water, air, and anti-gravity speed stats increased by one point. So what that basically means is 
all characters except the following have had their stats changed. Metal Mario, Pink Gold Peach, Waluigi, Donkey Kong, Rory, Wario, Dry Bowser, Bowser and Morton. And the lighter characters, well some of them have had their mini turbo stats boosted slightly. And this is done to balancing because what I'm seeing, expert players tend to choose heavier characters since their higher top speed makes up for their slow acceleration, which that is generally par for the course for Mario Kart games. And especially with um, 8 Deluxe, you can update it easily to patch out these imbalances. With Mario Kart Wii, where you can't do that anymore, or same with the old ones in general, there is actually a Mario Kart Rebalance patch, which you can add, but otherwise if you're playing Mario Kart Wii without that patch, it's just really unbalanced. But that's why you see so many people play as Funky Kong, because that was the best character to play as, even though uh, I don't really play as Funky Kong super often, but Funky Kong is still cool. As for characters... I'd like to see... Well, I'm taking guesses of what I think four of them will be. Uh, Pauline. So, it was reappeared in Mario Odyssey. Diddy Kong and Funky Kong. I'm still surprised that at least Diddy Kong wasn't in the base game. Funky Kong because, well, from the Wii. And uh, Kamek, which... Uh, Kamek was added in Mario Kart Tour alongside the other characters. And Kamek was originally meant to be in Mario Kart 64, but was cut. So, I think it would be really fitting to have Kamek finally added back into... A mainline Mario Kart. And as for the fifth slot, um, some people think it's P.T. Brana, which might be true. I've also put like maybe Nabbit or Charging Chuck or even the Hammer Brother. I think that would be cool. Either way, as long as the characters aren't another like um, Metal Luigi or Pink Gold Daisy or whatever the fuck shitty character alt Nintendo want to cook up. As long as it's not shit like that, can't really go too wrong with adding new characters. It's interesting that this has only happened now. It's like Nintendo are like, we're taking advantage of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's new popularity. And um, especially with the new tracks, which uh, I'm going to get onto my impressions of them much later. So you have to stay tuned. Now onto something that actually was actually could have been in the last episode, but it had only actually been brought to my attention literally a couple of days ago. And that is about Fantasia. Fantasian actually, I put Fantasia in my notes, so it's not Fantasia, that's a Disney film. I mean Fantasian, uh, the Hironobu Sakakuchi game, which uh, came out a couple of years ago for Apple Arcade. How many people listening to this have Apple Arcade? Because maybe there might be, maybe one of you Spotify followers has an Apple Arcade. If that's you, let me know in the comments below. Or, well, or just like the thing extra, I guess. Anyway, that aside, um... It's a turn-based RPG by Hironobu Sakaguchi and his studio Miss Walker. New music by Nobuo Umatsu, which is longtime com- collaborator. And unique diorama environments by famous Japanese tokusatsu or special effects artists who worked on various famous films like Godzilla. So it's actually got a surprising amount of pedigree behind it. And as I mentioned, it is exclusive to Apple Arcade. So it basically means most people will not have played it or even care about it because it's on Apple Arcade. What happened was uh, Sakaguchi had a panel at uh, Magic 2023. This is an annual gaming and uh, anime event that takes place in the Principality of Monaco. So if you live in Europe, you might have heard of this place. If you're not in Europe, you probably haven't heard of this place unless you're a billionaire. And basically this place is all this for all rich people to come and uh, dodge taxes, Go to casinos. No, wait, that's Campion d'Italia. But no, basically, if you're a rich person, you've heard of this place. If you're European, you might have heard of this place. If you're not European, I've now told you this place exists. 
And Sakaguchi had the interview at this magic panel about his career. And IGN Japan asked him a question. And bear in mind, this was from late February. It was in RPG Sites article in response to this that brought this to my attention. So basically said via Google Translate, um, there are many requests to release it on PC, it being Fantasian. And we have also received requests for a sequel. So I would like to continue to work as hard as possible to meet up, to live up to these expectations. So according to the person who wrote the article from ID in Japan, he said, it seems there's a possibility of a sequel, but at this point, nothing has been decided yet. And he also says, however, from Mr. Sakaguchi's remarks at the session, I could feel his enthusiasm to continue to commit to the title Fantasian. So alongside a sequel and port, which expressed interest in it being possible, I'm be frank when I, when I say this, and a lot of people who like RPGs probably have the same opinion, uh, that it needs a port. Simply put, it's long overdue, because with it on Apple Arcade, it's basically on one platform where even if it wasn't a streaming service, because that is what Apple Arcade is, RPG fans don't play on mobile phones generally. They don't play on phones... And especially not titles that are like 60 to 90 hours like Fantasian. And I've heard really good things about it. RPG site in particular love it. They was It was their best RPG of 2021. Like that's how good it is according to them. And that's one reason why this article exists. Because they were like please port this to PC. Because at the very least it needs to come to PC. And yeah they're right. But also it needs to come to consoles as well. Bear in mind that Mistwalker haven't actually released anything on consoles since the last story on the Wii, and that's over 10 years ago at this point. So basically, aside from Fantasian and Terror Battle, Sakaguchi's done basically fuck all. Well, except we're going to panels uh, the Principality of Monaco, so there's that. But yeah, um, it should never have been exclusive to Apple Arcade in the first place, but the only reason I can think of what it probably was was that uh, Apple probably funded it, but that's just a theory. I don't think there's explicit confirmation, but that's most likely what happened, given that it's exclusive to a platform that nobody fucking plays. Hopefully, that if there is some kind of exclusivity contract, it will expire soon, so it can get ported to PC and consoles, and even better, if it gets a physical version. Because apparently it's one of the best RPGs of recent years, and yeah, a game like that should not be exclusive to one platform, especially one that's unpopular, like Apple Arcade. And there was the angle about preservation as well in the RPG site article, and I kind of can see, like, talk about pres preservation by playing it on Steam offline, but when I was reading it, it was like, okay, but if you want actual preservation, if you're only going to put it on Steam, then people will have to pirate the game to preserve it. So that argument kind of fails, but... But there's all reason to put it on places like GOG as well, and even the Epic Game Store. Like, put it on there and have it DRM-free. And then that's preservation right there. Even console releases of a physical release as well. Put it out on Switch physically, put it out on PS4 physically. Even put it out on Xbox One physically as well. Because Xbox One games are always, like, limited with, with like, always online requirements. Especially now it's been loosened. It was really bad in the early years of the console's life, but not so much now. But, yeah. Hopefully it does get ported to consoles. I will check this game out if it comes to consoles. Maybe PC to push if it's compared with the Steam Deck. I get a deck in the future. I do want to get a deck. 
And yeah, um, Sakaguchi, please put your games on multiple platforms and maybe go back and, if you can, convince the IP holders of your games like Lost Odyssey and Last Story, etc. to re-release them on a modern platform, especially because the Switch and the Xbox Series and PC, they're really popular, as well as the PS4 and 5. Put them on there. They all deserve to be on there. A new PlayStation NFT patent covers cross-platform use and trading. Yep, this shit again. Sony Interactive Entertainment apparently been exploring ways it could use its NFTs and blockchain technology in games. Another Video Games Chronicle article. Uh, filed last year and published on Thursday, Sony's patent is titled NFT Framework for Transferring and Using Digital Assets Between Game Platforms. And it reads, and the summary reads, as recognized herein, in some applications such as computers slash video games, an NFT might represent the artwork or an asset in the game, such as a character or weapon or other game asset, but current systems are technologically inadequate for the owner to use the asset across different games and platforms. Accordingly, as further recognized herein, the functionality of the game may be enhanced by enabling gamers and or spectators to exclusively use the asset and possibly transfer its right to others via NFT. You know, when I actually planned to record this, I did not intend to read it in that voice, but yeah, it's a load of shit. Uh, but I did give some examples. I say examples are obtaining a unique skin that can be used on other titles, even on different gaming platforms, can transfer them to others, or rewarding the first person to beat a boss in a game to right to use hunter damage weapons in other games per your new NFT, otherwise known as shit you can get in mods. And, um, yeah, there's other things too, but, yeah, fuck that. But one thing I do want to say is that just because it's a patent doesn't mean it will actually materialise into anything. It's basically when corporations do market research, well, when anyone with money does market research, what they'll do is they'll basically copyright the idea so no one else can use it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to use it themselves. So this might not materialise into anything, so... Hopefully that's how it turns out, but it's just like, oh, we're going to look into it like a lot of these companies like Sega and Square Enix, and Square Enix have done that massive Symphogenesis shit, and uh, apparently spent almost $100 million on Forspoken, which uh, is not fucking worth $100 million, and that's another thing I've not put in the script, because this is already going on for need 20 minutes now. But yeah, um... Sony, don't turn this into anything, please. Visual novel news now. So, got a bunch of things here. I'm going to start with something I saw on Gamatsu. And this actually interested me a bit. So, a VN called Ghost Pier Season 1. Yeah, it's split into two seasons. The Switch launches 23rd of March in Japan. PC in Quadrant 2 2023. Supports both English and Japanese text. Other regions will follow. So, the Japanese version on the eShop will have English. It actually looks pretty interesting. It's a kinetic Denshi visual that's going to be two seasons. Denshi is a compound word that the, the devs actually made up. It's They call it the digital graphic novel art style. Ghost Pier's visuals mix warm, delicate art that would be fit for an illustrated children's book with glitch and noise effects. For a strangely nostalgic visual novel vibe, that's what they call it as, Denshi is Japanese for electrical or digital, and this is what a Denshi graphic novel is. And I've looked at the screenshots, it actually looks interesting, like, it's a juxtaposition of two different things you don't normally expect to go together, and that is appealing, actually. 
there is a story teaser which I'm going to read. Um, so here we go. And this one's not going to have a silly voice because this is actually something worth respecting. Isolated from the world by snow, a town lies barren near a terminal station. There lies a town where ghosts flood the street at night. But they aren't really ghosts. They are immortal, unable to die with their never-ending lives. They took to referring to themselves like that. They say this is an ideal town, a true utopia for ghosts. But is it really? Can you really call this place a utopia? This is Sayoko, and that is her plight. For you see, Sayoko is the only one in town who doesn't truly belong there. All the while, she's sharing a room with the mysterious new face, Yoru. More than anything in the world, Sayoko longs to return to her hometown. To set off beyond the unfathomable vast desert of snow. Beyond where nobody has ever gone. To the home she could only dream is out there. To be able to remember what she's forgotten. The thing she holds the most dear. That is her dream. In my dreams, I can get out. In my dreams, I can fit in. So yeah, there's got a pretty interesting idea there, and I hope it turns into something. So I'll keep an eye on that. It's on to watch. And maybe after season two is out, they'll give you a physical release as well. Now onto the big stuff in terms of news. So this isn't actually going to be English version of the news, but there's a lot of implications for it. And I've talked on it before about Chinese Otomi game localizations and what happened uh, Friday last week before I uploaded this was the Joyoland 2023 event where they had titles so yep alongside the likes of Game Source Entertainment and Just Dan two separate companies in the Southeast Asian region uh, well, well Just Dan is Taiwanese and uh, I'm not even sure about Game Source Entertainment to be honest but they both have ties to well Southeast Asia, releasing games into Chinese. And now Joyaland, or Beijing Happy Entertainment Technology, and that's in mainland China. So, yep, they're now releasing stuff. They've already been releasing Otome games on PC, mainly. So they had Kengakimi, they put that on PC, and it's fan disc in Chinese as well as Japanese. Yoshiwara Higginbana was another one. And most recently, they did one of the Triangle Project Otome games, which was Jakku no Lila, which, uh, interesting, it was only one of the three, which is kind of weird, but I'm not going to uh, go into that, because this is about what they announced at this event for consoles. So, they're localising the games in the Chinese, they're going to have an LE and physical releases. Games will be distributed by Game Source Entertainment and Just Dance. So, in other words, all these three companies are going, hmm... Let's release all this Otomi over here. It's clearly going to make us loads of money. And by extension, Idea Factory. And, uh, well, Voltage. And Rechets, for that matter. And uh, Broccoli, because they've got their games too. So, putting all that aside, they announced five titles. Four from Otomate and one from Voltage. But they're going to localise into Chinese. Traditional, so the Chinese, like the form that's used in Taiwan, basically. Traditional Chinese. The, the harder form of Chinese to learn. So the titles first off are the ones that have already been released in English, Variable Barricade, and Even If Tempest. So interestingly, they've added a new subtitle for Variable Barricade. It's now something along the lines of Variable Barricade, 100 Secrets and One Girl's Heart NS for the winter 2023. And they've also picked up Even If Tempest, as I just mentioned, but it's getting a physical release. So the first physical release for Even If Tempest will actually be into Chinese only, which is really cool, actually. But if that is game one, it'll probably get an Ellie as well. 
from especially because they they have done physicals for in terms of the Chinese market F Mirror as well. That got a physical Vita release when it was originally released, but no English version is physical, and the Switch version elsewhere is not physical as well. So that's kind of strange. So that's cool. Summer twenty twenty three. That's coming out. As for the stuff that's not been previously picked up for the West before, we have Juzengi, Ingetsu Sangokuden 1 and 2 for Nintendo Switch. This is a double pack of two vision novels set in ancient China, with illustrations by Tata, who did Nor 9 and Nightshade. Uh, it's in collab with Red Entertainment, who worked on Nightshade, Birushana, and the massive piece of shit known as Our World is Ended which luckily will not be getting its enhanced version released in the West, because that game is fucking shit. But, you know, that's dated for winter 2023. And it's really cool we're seeing that, because that's a recently released remaster pack. They were both PSP games originally. Then they were put in a doll pack for the Vita, and that doll pack was put onto the Switch. So it's cool that's coming. Next one is Clap, Kind Love and Punish, dated for the 6th of June. So this is the Kinky Otome game, where you can basically spank your husbandos. So people, uh, yeah, guys getting in on the, the fan service in a good way. So, you know, that's going to be interesting that now that's been picked up for China. So that's so cool. Uh, finally, the last one is Want of Fortune R, which actually this just got announced for a Japanese Switch release. So this was a re this was a remake for the Vita of a PSP game, and this PSP version did get released in English on the uh, Shall We Date thing that NTT Soulmare did, which um, is, um, well, that shut down as far as I know, and apparently was not good anyway, so that's on there now, which you can't really play anymore in English or even Chinese, and that's coming out, so that's dated for spring 2024 and this actually is lots of gameplay which is quite rare for Otomato games so that's um, going to be one to keep an eye on for China and why do I talk about this because uh, I've been as I've been following this stuff uh, what gets picked up in China and Southeast Asia to get a Chinese localization usually gets picked up in English eventually because notice in this particular set of announcements that two of the games were already released in the West in English and a lot of the other games that were announced for China and Southeast Asia later got picked up for the West. So things like Birushana, uh, the Amnesia and Nor 9 fan discs. They picked up Hakuoki as well to bring to in Chinese as well. So that's probably going to get announced soon. Um, I think all these will get announced soon as well. They've released Verche over there as well. And just loads more from ahead. So I feel confident we're going to get most of these. There's loads more others they've picked up and announced for Chinese release, which haven't come out yet, but could get localized as well, which I think will get picked up. So things like Rain de Fleur is one of them. Another Otomate game. Oh, God, there's loads. Well, Leap of Nil Abbey Rai was released a while back in Chinese, but I'm not sure we'll get that one because it came out a while ago. But yeah, there's just loads that could get picked up, and I think we will get some of those announced and... A lot of older stuff as well, like in the West, a lot of the games that have been picked up, aside from the Amnesia and Norm 9 fan discs, have tended to be the newest of the new games. So hopefully in the next couple of years we'll be getting a lot of these older games picked up as well. And it's a good to keep track of this stuff. And here's a fun little bonus. All the announcement pages on GameSource Entertainment's website actually have the, has, has one phrase written in red text in English. 
no English version for this. So what that means is they're aware that English fans are watching what they're announcing in China for the Southeast Asian releases. So now they're seeing this and know that Idea Factory will be well aware. And now they're seeing this and they're like, that it's paying attention. Like this stuff is like, this will be factoring to their decisions when what they tried to bring over. Because if they're seeing that Otome fans like me are watching what's getting released in China and Southeast Asia in Chinese... It's like that helps support a case for localizing it worldwide. So all the more reason to keep an eye on this stuff and respectfully keep pushing for these localizations as well. So that's what I'll be doing. Because uh, I want to see all these games that have been announced for Asia as of today into English as well. Including Clap because Spanking Cars Bandos is going to be interesting and cool. And now moving swiftly on from that. We have Song of Memories, dated for Switch on 23rd of March. So this is not uh, an Otome game. It's actually a Busurgery VN that, weirdly enough, was meant to release on Switch back in 2018, but then got cancelled because of technical issues. And now, here we are, five years later. Oh, okay, it's now coming to Switch. But the difference is now that the future Tech Lab Co. are actually releasing it themselves and not P-Cube. And $28.99, so that's how much it's going to be. Very sudden stealth release, so it's interesting to see that turn up after so long. I've not played this game, I've heard it's pretty good. It is Busojo, so uh, I usually tend to pass on Busojo games there, so there's something really positive or compelling about them that makes me want to, you know, play a Busojo game. Of course, that doesn't stop me picking up other Busojo games, but you know, ignoring all that stuff. It's good to see that it's still come back and now people can actually pick the game up. But it's also on Steam as part of the Steam sale. You may as well get it on there if you want the money. Get it cheap on there. Maybe even get the soundtrack as well because that's available as a DLC. But either way, Future Tech Lab, they do have other VNs that they've made over the years. Maybe they'll bring some of those back and localize them as well. I think that would be interesting. I know they've done some Otome games like Ghost. That was an Otome game they made for the Vita. Maybe bring some of those back, localize them, make bank because, you know... Us Westerners will give you money for VNs, especially if they're physical. And finally, uh, oh no, two more bits. Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Um, this is the Capcom Remaster. You know what this is. Dated for the 30th of June. Pre-orders in the West will have digital download backgrounds of music, which is basically downloads you can just get elsewhere. And Japanese version is physical, has a limited edition, and is likely multi-language of English text. And the other thing is Process of Elimination Demo is now available in the West. So that's gone up on the PSN and eShop. The save data will carry over to the full game. So you can basically play the first case of Process of Elimination in that demo. So, yeah. In fact, I think it would actually be a good time to transition to what I've been playing. Because I have played part of this demo. And I just want to say I've not finished it. So I don't want to make a conclusive comments, But... The fact I'm playing an NIS developed vision novel officially localized in English on the Nintendo Switch, that feeling is incredible. And playing this VN, I can kind of see already, it just feels like it's a detective game crossed with Danganronpa and with his own quirky sense of humor. And I think I might quite like it, actually. I mean, I'm going to try to get the game as soon as I can because I want to see more NISVNs in English, especially Furaki 4, because I want to play the motorcycle dating sim in English. 
and relive Japan because NIS, please release that in the West. Yeah, but you know, I have not dabbled on it too much. I've not even got it written in my notes, so I can't really talk about it too long. But just want to touch on that and say, yes, I've started playing it. If you're interested at all in seeing more VM, some Nipponichi software, I encourage you to play the release. So please play it. Okay, minor correction. Uh, literally, as I was processing the, uh, well, my process of elimination notes, I remembered that I missed off two things I really, really wanted to talk about this episode. And I'm adding them on now. So, first one is, well, they're both fan patches, but this first one is for Boku no Natsu Yatsumi 2. So, this is part of the, well, Boku no Natsu Yatsumi, or My Summer Vacation series, that was made by Millennium Kitchen and published by Sony for old PlayStation platforms with a PS1, PS2, PS3, PSP. They got they got games in this series. None of them came overseas. If a name Millennium Kitchen rings any bell, they made Attack of the Friday Monsters for 3DS, which did get overseas. And there was also the Shinchan game, which they made as well. And that did get released overseas as well, which is kind of that was a really strange pick for a first game. But as for the older Bokken and Natsuyatsumi games, they will likely never get an official release overseas because, well, Sony do not care about niche IPs like this, and that's obviously why Millennium Kitchen have had to move on to make other stuff. And that leaves up to fan translators. Now, the first Bokken and Natsuyatsumi has been picked up by a fan translation group, but Hilltop Works has picked up the second one. This one is set in 1975, and it whisks you away to spend 31 days with your uncles and aunts B&B in a small town on the southern coast of Japan. It looks so cosy, based off the announcement trailer, and it just looks so nice, and I really want to check it out when it comes out. What a lovely retro charm. I will leave a link to the announcement trailer below. It has already been covered in game media, and I doubt Sony will... Uh, I doubt they'll do anything in response to this, because generally, if you get too much attention regarding a fan patch, they might... These larger companies might have to, well, if they're seen to be asked about it directly, they'll have to issue a takedown to protect their rights. But Sony will probably just pretend this patch isn't happening. So, and I hope hopefully it will stay that way because, you know, they're probably never going to release these kind of niche games again. I touched on Orishika, I think. Was it Orishika? Oh, no. Um, I touched on that in an upcoming video. And like a lot of niche stuff that Sony publishes with niche IPs like Orishika and Boku no Natsu Yatsumi, uh, this will not be getting an, a localization or be brought back anytime soon. So thank you fans for stepping in. And it's going to be cool to experience this because I think this will get done faster than the patch for the first game. So you bet there'll be loads of people jumping on this and I will join them. Now for the second patch, which is the one I'm so fucking glad exists, and that is the patch for the PC version, or the 2010 PC remake of the first White Album game. So, um, yeah, White Album 2, fangirling hype goes here, you know that all that, I'm sure if you've followed my channel you will know all that, so... But obviously, it's White Album 2, it's the sequel, and this is White Album. Like White Album 2, it's unlocalized, but... There has been somebody very slowly chipping away at White Album and translating it and getting it inserted into the game. They've actually released the tools open source so you can see what they're using and they've been putting out videos on YouTube. 
so you can see firsthand the translation and it's retranslated and edited, which is really cool. And I'm I've tried to not watch much of it because I want to go into it as uh, clueless as possible. But I'm hoping it gets released because it looks really good. And so far, it's um is we're working on Yuki's route, and I think and unlike White Happen Two, there are different routes. So obviously White Happen Two, there's Setsuna and Kazusa, and then they're the two characters that really matter for most of the game. There's a few great branch-off routes in closing chapter for Mari, Koharu, and Chiaki, but with White Harpen 1, it has a much more linear structure where you have, well, Yuki, and then and, and then the second character, I think, I forgot her name, but her name, but maybe a third one. It's a lot more linear like that, so it's basically a lot shorter. So I think this will hopefully get done maybe by Christmas, maybe... A, who knows, with this one and No Angels in December is being patched as well by a different person. I think with this next few years will be really good for Aquaplus translations in terms of fan in terms of fan translations, because bear in mind if Aquaplus they don't have the same level of community in the West that Key did or lots of other companies because people just if they if Aquaplus fan TLs were part of the two thousands visual novel fan translation boom maybe they'd be more well-known over here. So it's only now that we're starting to get the, these classic games picked up, which uh, I'm all for. So, well, of course I would be all for White Album 1, but, you know, let's go. And now actually back to what I've been playing. I already talked about the demo briefly for Process of Elimination in my last thing. So I'll just move straight on to Maricot 8 DLC Wave 4. I'm going to go over my thoughts on each track and the cup and then give a summary at the end of my overall thoughts. Uh, first off, Fruit Cup, uh, Amsterdam Drift from Maricot Tour. So, starting off with the weakest track of the whole batch, uh, it just feels more like a rural Dutch town rather than Amsterdam. It's basically like if you ever go to the Netherlands or even see pictures of the Netherlands, you know there are like literal towns with canals in the middle and lots of windmills and tulip fields, and it's basically that. It doesn't really feel like a city track, it just feels like here's a town track with inspiration from various things associated with the Netherlands. But that said, I really like the windmill area in lap 1, the tulip field in lap 3, and of course going through the canals in lap 2 and 3 when you go to go underneath, which I think that was really cool. Um, it is like the weakest track, but it only goes up from here, so you know, it's the right track. Could be a lot better, but also could be a lot worse. Riverside Park from Maricart Super Circuit. A really cool remake. It looks beautiful. It's a nice short track. I've uh, got a lovely bunch of shortcuts when you, especially in the beginning, we've got all the grass, and then you've got the the part at the end where you go in the cave and ascend and fall jumping out of the glider. That's really cool. I like that a lot. It's really cool to see that this this track was reborn in such a nice way. So, and also the patooies as well. And they really have the mushrooms and the items in, and they just go along the track, and you can shoot them and get items. It's really cool. DK Summit from Maricart Wii. Uh, lovely nostalgia trip. This one was alongside the leaks a while ago, so I was expecting it, but it was so nice to see how a faithful adaptation of the track moved in. The shortcuts still work, like especially when you get to the middle of the track and you get to the lines where it just loops round. You just it's still there and it's amazing. I just I thought it was so cool to play and yeah, the music was nice as well. And it's also weird because the European version still holds the original European name of DK Snowboard Cross, which is still a better name than DK Summit. But you know, 
But again, it's more fitting than DK Pass. Because remember DK Pass and Mario Kart DS, even though it looks absolutely nothing like the kind of thing you'd associate with Donkey Kong? Yeah, it's better than that. Yoshi's Island. Uh, best course of the DLC by far. Feels like a true tribute to Yoshi's Island. So many little details like stilt guys, the question mark feather block and the shortcut path. The YI cave, the underwater section of the castle, and the crabs, and just uh, the whole massive blue thing when you jump off the clouds and go down. It's such a cool little track, and it's just littered with references, and it's just, it's just a joy to play. And it shows that, yes, Nintendo can still really apply themselves to these Mario Kart tracks. Boomerang Cup, Bangkok Rush from Mario Kart Tour. This one was really cool. I thought the best parts about it were the bizarre sections. You go around the, the tents with all the big people get stuff. You can go up on one side, and then you've got the bouncy tents, the last lap. You've got the boats at the start, so you can go through like the shallow ravine, and you can just trick off the boats. And you've also got a multi-story car park bit where you just go in, and it's a really tight turns. And I thought that was so cool, because that's the kind of thing you normally see in actual cities. I thought that was so cool. Mario Kart Circuit, no, Mario Circuit from Mario Kart DS, not Mario Kart Circuit, there's loads of Mario Kart Circuits. This was, I don't think people were expecting this track to be picked up, but it was one of the few Mario Kart, like, one of the very few DS tracks that was not brought back in any previous Mario Kart game. The only other ones would be Rainbow Road, Shroom, no, Shroom Ridge was brought back, Bowser's Castle though, and of course, Figure 8 Circuit, which has the best design in all of Mario Kart history. But yeah, this remake is pretty good. The main thing I liked about it was the fact that the, the one section was turned into a forest and you get a wiggler that wakes up and starts walking around about one and a half minutes into the race. I thought that was a really cool little change. And then you got the piranha plants that spit fire. It was overall a really nice track and it's really cool to see that these all, all these improvements were made to it. And the, and the cheering area at the start. It was really nice and I think it's just like... If you're going to bring back a really more difficult Mario Circuit, then bring that kind of thing back. Especially because even when Mario Kart, Mario, Mario Circuit launched back on Mario Kart DS, it was actually in the Star Cup. And was a harder and longer track to what you normally see for Mario Circuits, which is what made it unique. But it was also really long and kind of boring at times, so... Waluigi Stadium from Mario Kart Double Dash. Oh, this track was great. I fucking love the visuals for this one, especially the whole dirt. You just see the reflections of the water, you can clearly tell it's really muddy and for like perfect for trick racing and that kind of thing, you get all the um, best visual tracks in terms of the updated visuals of the remakes. You go around, the, there's new optional anti-grav sections, you've got, as well as half pipes brought back, to get onto the anti-grav sections you need to actually trick off the half pipes and land on them. And even though it was quite brief, you can spin and there's a, there's a glide panel somewhere, it was... I really liked it. It was really cool to kind of freshen it up, and that was really clever, and I'm glad that the treat's been brought back. It was funny Mario Kart Wii. It's even better here. Now we finally have Singapore Speedway for Mario Kart Tour, probably the best tour track to date. It's really cool how it incorporated features of Singapore, like the iconic boat building where you can race on top of it, and the overall luxury, highly developed world. And just It just felt so nice and all like, the Chinatown and going along the, the river, it was just, I loved it. It was, it was such a cool atmosphere. Music's great as well, not just for that track, but for all of them. Overall, the DLC is pretty good, and things like Yoshi's Island show that Nintendo can still genuinely innovate when they want to in terms of making new tracks, as well as Piranha Plant Cove, potentially, because that's been added to tour, and let's be honest, it's going to be coming to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at some point in one of the future waves, most likely Wave 5. 
and I've kind of talked about it since it first came out, but I really wanted to sit back on it and think on it more. It's becoming more and more apparent to me that I'm just kind of getting sick of just like, I'm excited to play this new DLC, but also when I play it, it's just like, I just get reminded that I just want Mario Kart 9, a true, proper, mainline Mario Kart game that's not Mario Kart, like, expansions for Mario Kart 8, and I just want a new game, a proper, full new game, and it's hard to kind of shake that, and I think in many ways I've been spoiled by the unofficial content. Things like CDGP, and other custom Mario Kart content for older platforms. I will also say that like having tour tracks ported to consoles and having this version of the track available that you can play offline without being limited to tours like the features of that game and how it just rearranges the gameplay stuff. The fact that exists as well is also really good. And you can just play many times, play with your friends, play with your family, it's great. And as for new characters, well Birdo was the only one added this wave. It's nice to have a new character Birdo, so you know. That's always good news to have a new character, especially with this roster. So, you know. But yeah, I'm still interested in playing future ways, but there really does need to be more time and resources put into them. As well as to go back to Wave 1 and 2, especially, and to just go back through them and fix the mistakes and errors and graphical sloppiness that's in throughout some of the tracks because it's really off putting for me as someone who wants to like really fully invest in them it's just kind of difficult to me when I'm like if I want to play America I do pick America Wii CDGP over America 8 at the moment because I just I just enjoy playing it and a lot of the the customs on there they they blow me away and that game does get regularly updated it's not been updated since Christmas but it will get another update soon because well it's CDGP and there'll be some lovely new tracks and some new remakes added so that's really cool now the final thing I'm going to talk about today is Chaos Head Noah, because I've been playing that, uh, I haven't finished it, and I've just had to call it quits, and that I've just had to stop, and I'm going to elaborate on why, um, overall I did enjoy it for the most part, the story was really interesting, it has a really, like, captivating, like, it just is, it has this weird blend of horror, and atmosphere which I did quite like but it it increasingly grossed me out especially like and it got a point where like I really don't want to play this anymore because I just felt so grossed out by it and the biggest thing about it that grossed me out and it's probably going to go into a very mild spoiler so I'm going to spoil as little as possible is that as part of the game you've got like three different endings and character root endings on top and the second one of those, Crying Sky, which I think you need to unlock before doing the heroin routes, but I'm not sure. Um, this ending, part of this ending is you actually end up having a perspective shift as part of the game. And you basically end up adopting the perspective of those that were killed as part of the new generation madness, one after the other. And it gets pretty intense. Without spoiling it, but if you know what happens, you know that it's just basically one after the other and you see the perspective shift. Like, it's basically like you don't, like, you can't do anything to change it. You just kind of like, oh, where am I? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm about to witness being murdered. And it's really detailed, really graphic, really gory, and it just made me feel sick. It actually made me feel a bit sick and... Yeah, I really didn't want to go further. And 
and I can see why this was actually censored in later releases of the game, and it's times like this where, you know, maybe censoring is actually justified sometimes. And it was even more gross and uncomfortable in some of the, the positive delusional triggers, and many of those are just outright fan service that just leans into sexual harassment at times, and that is gross, and I don't like that at all. But the fact that these endings were so gross, it made me feel even worse than those endings, which I think says a lot about just everything and I tried to look into tried to look into finishing it just to get all the achievements but I couldn't even do that like I managed to go through the heroin endings and just rush through the achievements but I just felt so grossed out I just like you know what I don't want to play this anymore I'm gonna call my quits a time the game I do know the final ending and how that ends though and it's like I've I've reasoned out and like yeah I don't want to go back through this again just to see this ending I don't want to do that I'm just going to call it quits with the game now and just move on and uh, play things that are less gross for the foreseeable future. Like, And to think Tokyo Necro came out this week on Steam and I was considering getting that, but that's going to have to wait because I do not want to gross myself out with this. Any more games, because I know that one has fucking zombies in it and I don't want to play games with zombies because in many ways there'll be lots of blood and gore like this game. But yeah. But yeah, um, despite all this though, I'm still glad I got to experience it. Not only because it's, well, a major title in the Science Adventure series. It literally birthed the series. But it's also a major title by both Mages and Nitro Plus. And also Trimaro Studio. So being able to kind of see this title and experience this, I'm quite glad I got to. And the other thing is that over time, I think, like... Maybe I might feel up to playing Chaos Child in the future. Definitely not for a while though. And given that Chaos Child was made for consoles first. Where there would already be really strict Zero requirements. I think that it might not be as gory. But I could be wrong there. But I hope I'm right in that it's less gory. And also less overly lewd. I know that bloody Chaos Child Love Choo Choo game. Basically dials the, the positive delusion stuff up to 10, 12. And that's just fucked up. And if you're going to play Chaos Head Noah, I do recommend checking in advance that kind of content and what you see. And just how gross the gore is. So, bear that in mind. If you're squeamish, don't play it. Unless you know in advance what to expect. Or maybe, if you really want to, just play through the excrement of an official release that Mages put out for Spike Chunsoft to publish. So, there's always that. Anyway, I'm going to end it for today. Thank you so much for everyone that has been tuning in to these episodes. And uh, again, if you want to support the show, like, comment, subscribe, notification bell, five-star reviews on your podcast platform of choice. I will also be having my throne and coffee links in the description at the end of every video from now on. Warning, it won't be in the end of the episode on the next video for later this week because... I recorded this before I set that up, so it won't be there, but it will be standard in all future videos. So thank you so much, and have a lovely day, week, month, even year, wherever you are. Thank you. Bye-bye.